Alyssa Attorney has been missing from Phoenix, Arizona since May 17, 2001, last seen by her stepfather, Michael Turney, a former sheriff's deputy. From the beginning of Alyssa's disappearance, her stepfather has started a web of unbelievable lies and manipulations. Battle after battle, the family seeks justice for Alyssa. And now, Crime Pursuit Podcast is now in pursuit, trying to get answers on just what really happened to Alyssa Turney. So let's join the pursuit, the mystery of Alyssa Turney. Welcome to Crime Pursuit Podcast. We have a new pursuit. So, we got together and, you know, we were saying, hey, we got to get this thing rolling. And, and you know, kind of see where we're at. Uh, because this is going to be a tough case for us. Trust me. So, anyway, welcome, like I said, welcome to Crime Pursuit Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Ed Bounds, along with Jackie Fess and Heather France. Hello. So, Jackie, we got a new pursuit. Yes. Um, we got the Alyssa Turney um, case, which dates back from 2001. And Alyssa was 17 years old. And May 17, 2001 would have been her last day of high school. She left school early. Her stepdad, Michael Turney, uh, signed her out of school and took her out early. And that was the last time she was seen or heard from. In which Michael Turney says that, you know, he was the last one to hear from her or see from her. And she's been missing since. And it's still an unsolved case. uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And I do believe the family is actually still seeking justice in this case. Um, Don't believe there still is to get an arrest and some charges made. Uh, Michael Turney he he manipulated a lot of things in this case and created a web of lies that was clear to many people, even in the interviews that he did on TV. Right. Um, And essentially a confession that was recorded by his daughter Sarah, and I have listened to it over and over and over again. And every time I listen to it, I get chills. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, when I was watching some of the interviews um, on 2020, I, this guy, I'm like, man, this guy, he's an asshole. For he's real. very cocky. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Very cocky. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, wow. And so, you know, then when I got to talking to Sarah and everything, and you know, I, I was like, wow, poor girl, <laughs> they had to go through all that. And did you watch the video? I did. Yeah. With her, she was a little girl and yes. her sister. That was funny what her sister said. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> like, funny, but I could definitely tell he was, like, trying to shut her up. Yeah. So she yeah. wouldn't say anything else. Yeah. That's how I get the vibe from watching it. Like, he just wanted her to shut up. <laughs> yeah, I did. yeah, me too. <laughs> That's the first thing he, uh-oh, uh-oh. No, she needs to shut up. Right. We're recording. And then he got on Sarah for kept recording, so. People to remember about this case is that we have our answers. We have what we need to solve this and finally let Alyssa rest in peace. We basically have a confession. We just need you. We need your help. Share this. Talk to your friends, lawyers, prosecutors, anyone you may know. Please help this. Alyssa is a real person who's left a big hole in my heart, her friends' hearts, and her brother's heart. Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Turney. Mike Turney said he and his stepdaughter, Alyssa, have been arguing the day she went missing. At first, it seemed like a typical fight between a teen and a parent and that she had run away. Days and weeks of anxious waiting turned into years without a word. 
she wouldn't have taken that risk. She would have taken all of her hard-earned money out and called it a day. But that didn't happen because she didn't run away. Some of Alyssa's friends say that she came to them in tears, and you were on top of her, gagging her. Another time she woke up, she was handcuffed to the bed. Are those things true? No, absolutely not. Did you ever do anything sexual with your stepfather? No. Why would I do that? They have no proof whatsoever, anything other than rumors in your windows and lies. If they have no proof, that doesn't mean you, you didn't do it. There's only two people that can confirm whether I did it, and one is me, and the other is Alyssa. So we have Sarah Turney as our guest with us today. Jackie, been talking to her quite often, so has Heather, and so have I, and uh, this is just a, a touching case here. Unbelievable. It really, yeah, it is, It you know, especially with this guy uh, still free. Without me even keep running my mouth once again, Sarah, uh, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Okay, great, great, great. So, we sat there and we heard uh, and watched videos. We listened to recordings and, and things like that. Take us back to what happened. And, and when I say what happened, let's let's start from the beginning with your mother. Uh, because at first I wasn't in understanding where your mother was at. Uh, so can you uh, start with that and give us a rundown so our listeners can have a complete understanding from the beginning of what happened? It goes back so far, but um, essentially, my mother met my father after Alyssa was born, um, and then they got married, and my father officially adopted Alyssa, and um, just a few years later, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, and she passed away, leaving my father alone with six kids, um, including me and Alyssa, and four older brothers. Um, Nobody really knew at the time, but um, it appears that Alyssa was being sexually abused throughout this entire time. Um, and at a certain point in our childhood, it became just Alyssa, myself, and my father. And um, we were treated extremely different. Um, we had totally different rules. Alyssa had a lot of rules and a lot of surveillance on her. Um, my father made her sign behavioral contracts. He would in the parking lot and watch her at work. Um, she was allowed to have boyfriends or best friends. He isolated her from everyone. Um, and I was able to do whatever I wanted and run free, and he never interfered with my relationships. He was just not nearly as controlling um, as he was with Alyssa. Wow. So you're saying that he was at your sister's job in the parking lot watching her? Yeah. He says that he um, was trying to make sure she was where she was supposed to be. Yeah, okay, wow. Um, Sarah, did you also say that uh, your father made her sign a contract stating that he never sexually abused her as well? Yeah, so part of these behavioral contracts, you know, were things like be home at a certain time, tell me where you're going and with who, and then um, a clause in there said that she was never sexually abused by him. And wow. so he made her sign that. And you and you seen this, did you see this contract personally? I remember when it happened, um, I don't remember if I read it, to be honest, but I've seen pictures of it, and I remember when it happened. Okay. So, uh, did Sarah say that he made her sign a contract saying that he didn't molest her? Well, I mean, she was forced to sign it. Um, okay. Under what threat? I'm not quite sure. But yeah, I mean, he, he made her do it. I don't think that it would be something she would naturally just uh, um, comply with. Right, right. The, well, you know, that's odd that yes. he would make her sign something like that. If you wasn't guilty, then why would you have to do that? Right. That makes no sense. So, okay, go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, um, absolutely. So my whole life, you know, I, I didn't realize that Alyssa was really being abused and emotionally really devastated left and right. He was just completely inappropriate with her, and he was never that way with me, so I didn't see it, um, which is one of my biggest regrets, of course. But I, I was four years younger, and she didn't share these things with me, unfortunately. Um, but Alyssa did tell, I mean, dozens of people about what was happening to her, including adults, teachers, friends, um, everything in between. And in fact, a week before Alyssa went missing, my father called Child Protective Services and reported that her, his daughter was going to call and say that she was being sexually abused, but that she was lying because she wanted a car. Um, and nothing was done then either. Wow. You know, that, that call was never reported or never um, investigated. Okay, so 
give me your take on why you think nothing was ever done. I mean, we know he used to be a sheriff deputy. Was he a sheriff deputy at the time when all this was happening? No. So he was only a police officer for about a year, um, you know, a deputy sheriff. But um, I don't think that had anything to do with it not being reported. I think it was just really a perfect storm of people not listening and possibly the environment in the 80s um, in which sexual abuse wasn't taken as seriously or domestic violence. So I think it just really fell through so many hands of people that could have helped her that it was um, this big catastrophe of coincidences of her really falling through the system. I mean, the, the teacher she told happened to also be dating my father at the time. You know, so I think that's a huge part of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Child Protective Services had just followed through on many calls, I think that we'd be in a totally different position today. It's just really, really unfortunate. Right. So help me understand something. So all this go on um, with her telling her friends and you said she told the teacher, am I correct? Did she? Yes. Yeah. You said that she told the teacher. A teacher is supposed to report that whether she's dating him or not. Correct. Uh, at least the teacher should have said something to your dad. Did she, do you remember the teacher or ever hearing about the teacher saying anything to your dad about this? Um, my dad says that um, she confronted him and that my father said that, oh, Alyssa was confused and was talking about a boy down the street and that kissing a boy isn't having sex, but Alyssa specifically told the teacher that she was having sex with her father. Um, and I think the teacher just went to my dad and they laughed it off and didn't think about it twice. Wow. Um, Sarah, so I really hate to say this, but it, it seems like your father is really smart in knowing how to start the manipulation before Alyssa even um, begin missing, like calling DCS before, you know, making that report saying she's going to call in or there's going to be a call in um, about sexual abuse. And that happened to be a week before she went missing. And then it's kind of like he knew exactly how to manipulate the system. Oh, absolutely. And he'd done that his entire life. Um, wow. There are so many stories that we can go into about him manipulating situations and being extremely um, smart and manipulative. That's just how he always was. He was um, extremely charming and got what he wanted for a lot of his life. I mean, he's still getting what he wants today. And when you say he gets what he wants today, uh, can you be more specific? Yeah, I mean specifically getting away with murder. Okay, and I agree. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to, to jump right into it, absolutely. He's getting away with it, and he, he laughs about it. Okay, so let's get to the part of the day your sister came up missing. Give us a rundown with that. Yeah, um, so I wish I could be more clear on the time period, um, but I wasn't interviewed by police until like seven years later, so I'm not even sure the exact timing, but essentially it was the last day of school. I was in seventh grade, Alyssa was in 11th grade. Um, I was going on a field trip that day to a water park. My father picked up Alyssa early, um, we think sometime around 10 or, 10 or 11, um, and he said that um, she was trying to get away from her boyfriend, but she was also supposed to meet this boyfriend at a party later that night. Um, but they ended up going out to lunch and supposedly had this fight about Alyssa wanting to do more over the summer. Um, he supposedly drops Alyssa off at home, my father, um, and leaves to run errands, and then leaves right from the errands to pick me up um, after I get out from the field trip. And this is at least after 3.30, which is when school would get out, but I, I can't tell you what time we got back to the house. I'm just not sure. Um, but I, he picks me up. I get in the car, and he says, your sister's not answering her phone. Can you give her a call? I call her a few times. She doesn't answer. We get back to the house. I go straight into her room first. I see that her backpack is dumped all over the ground, um, which is unusual. She was a very neat person, so it seemed like something was weird. Um, and then we continued to call, and I heard her cell phone buzzing on the dresser, and it was um, next to a note. And the note said uh, something to this effect. Uh, Dad and Sarah, when you dropped me off at school today, I decided I really am going to California. Um, Sarah, you wanted me gone. Now you have it. Dad, that's why I saved my money, and um, I also took $300 from you, Alyssa. So um, she said in the letter that's why she saved her money, but none of her money from working was ever touched. Am I right? You are correct. Yeah, there was $1,800 in her bank account that was never touched. That's what I thought. Okay. So I, I just got one question with that. 
What do you think happened that day? They got in a fight, and Alyssa went to a friend's house, and that she would be back. I was asked, I was not alarmed in any way, shape, or form, and really neither were my siblings. Um, my father's the one that was alarmed immediately, um, but that's also not the way that he reported it to the police. He was very calm with the police and basically called around 11 p.m. that night and said, listen, my daughter and I got to fight, she's 17, she ran away to her aunt's house in California. I know where she is. Um, so there was no search, there was no police officer at the house. Um, it was a runaway case, it wasn't considered a missing person and, and he knew how to report that. Um, you know, as you mentioned, he was very good at manipulating situations and this was one that he definitely manipulated as well. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you all the way on that. I really do. You mentioned that, um, you know, your father treated Alyssa very differently than you did as far as inappropriate sexual behavior. Did you ever happen to notice um, him acting that way maybe around some of your friends or her friends, or was it just specifically Alyssa? Um, so when we were growing up, it was specifically Alyssa. Um now that I look back on it, now that you say it, um, there was a friend at one point that I think that he could have had an inappropriate relationship with, um, one of my friends, but I can't confirm that. Okay. And I did watch that, that little snippet video we discussed about when you were recording and your dad um, wanted you to turn off the video camera and you were kind of putting it up to your face, and then Alyssa yelled, Dad's a pervert which really struck me as very strange that that's the one thing she would yell out in a video. Um, do you remember taking that video? Do you remember that? No, so I have no memory of taking that video. Um, I, I have hundreds of hours of video, um, home videos that I need to go through, and that just happened to be one of them that popped up. But, yeah, I mean, it, when I see it, it's absolutely a, a cry for help. I mean, she's mm -hmm. trying to tell me. I'm just too oblivious to, to listen. I don't even know if I knew what the word pervert was, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a cry for help, and I think that she said it on purpose, and that's why he reacted the way he did in the video and got so upset. What do you think happened to Alyssa now as an adult, I guess? I know we all kind of have a general consensus that we, we don't think she's a runaway. We think it was a murder. Um, but what do you have any like specifics in your mind that you think happened to her, or or what do you think happened that day? Yeah, of course, and it, it's so hard to pin down logistics because it could be so many different things. But I, I believe the note came from a conversation she had with my aunt um, about a week prior, in which they discussed Alyssa actually going out there um, to live with her in California. But Alyssa didn't want that, um, so I think that note was written in anger and that my father found the note and decided that was his perfect time to get rid of her. I think that he was terrified that she might want to go out there, that she might reconnect with this aunt that we hadn't heard from our entire lives, pretty much, mm -hmm. um, and that it would all be over for him, that finally his secret would be out. So I think he saw the note, realized that his time was coming to a close, and he saw an opportunity. Um, and that's why he picked her up out of school and did it very purposely on the last day of school as to evoke no type of concern from teachers or friends. Um, there would be no kids going to the counselor to speak about Alyssa. There'd be no desk in, you know, in a memorial like you see today. Um, he, he did it on purpose. So I think, you know, the opportunity was there, um, and he finally just struck. And I don't know exactly where, of course, or how, um, but I, I think she died that day, and I think that she died probably in Arizona, and that her body was probably really close. Or I had heard that he had mentioned something about when he, when they thought he was just being paranoid about the, the union and talking. He mentioned something about a location or a general location of the desert. Do you think there's validity to that, or do you think that maybe there is something to that with the desert? Um, I don't. I, I think that it's Desert Star, California, and I believe it's at least four hours away. And I think that the probability of him taking all that extra time to go there along with crossing state lines, in which there's a check. When you go from Arizona to California, about half the time you get stopped mm -hmm. to see if there's any agriculture in your car. Um, and he had a truck, so no real trunk to hide her in, not that he can get creative. Um, but I think him going over state lines was just too risky. Um, I, I don't know the best way to hide a body, but um, 
it, it seemed too risky. And he was so familiar with so many places in the desert, and there were so many more opportunities closer to home that would allow him more time to get everything settled, maybe change his clothes, um, and then come get me. I mean, because the time period is a, a minimum of four hours and perhaps a maximum of eight. So for him to go to California and back would have been cutting real close. Yeah. Yeah. I watched his interview also on 2020, and he is very, very rehearsed. Um, you know, I think he thinks in his mind, of course I'm speculating, that, you know, when he's staring at the interviewer, not blinking, you know, that's most people consider that classic signs that somebody is not lying. Um, but unfortunately, it can be a sign of deceit as well um, because somebody is trying too hard to come across as not lying. So I found it very interesting uh, when I watched his, his interview, how rehearsed it was and how uh, he was trying so hard to convince the viewers and very cocky, um, arrogant, uh, coming across just to try to convince the viewers that what he was telling, you know, wasn't a lie. Oh, yeah. No, he definitely tries to make you feel like the crazy person for even approaching mm -hmm. him, you know. Mm -hmm. they, they question him, and he goes, yeah, because it's always the stepfather, right? Like, he, mm -hmm. he just has a way of making you feel like an idiot, and he's been trying to do that his whole life. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he tries to manipulate every situation he's in, including all of his interviews. All right, yeah. Sarah, I'd like to go back to where... Um, Law enforcement, when they started investigating Alyssa's missing, um, they felt like your dad wasn't cooperating in the investigation. And essentially, there was an arrest made, but not um, involving Alyssa missing. Can you go into the, that arrest and what came about with that arrest and the time that Michael Turney spent in jail? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Alyssa's case was reopened um, in about 2007, I believe. Um, there was a gentleman in Florida who confessed to killing Alyssa along with a slew of other girls and they, they quickly ruled him out. There were a lot of factors that just made it impossible for this guy to be Alyssa's killer. Um, but what it did was reopen the case. And so when that happened, um, you know, the police came to our house and spoke to our father before he was ever arrested. But my father would never go down for a formal interview and, and it appears that he would not give DNA either. So, um, my father, after cooperating a little bit with the police, quickly makes me the point person. I become the, the family contact at this point. So anything the police needs comes through me. Um, and they call me one day and they say, hey, come on down to the station. We've got some news about Alyssa. And I say, you know, okay, great. Well, I'll be back in time for my Spanish test because I'm in college at this point. Um, and I go down there and they sit me down and they say, hey, we think your dad did this. Um, your dad's been sexually abusing Alyssa for her whole life and you have another sister you don't know about, what do you think about your dad now? Um, and my exact words were, am I free to go? I need to call my brothers. I race back to the house. Um, I gather some things. I leave. I um, look on the news later and see that they found 26 pipe bombs and a slew of illegal guns and silencers that ended up being the biggest, uh, I guess, bomb and gun bust in Phoenix history. And he served 10 years for that. But they found no evidence of Alyssa. You know, him going to jail, now you're you're young, your your mother has passed, uh, your father is incarcerated. That was pretty tough on you, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was forced to grow up fast for sure. I actually um became what was it, uh, what is it called? Uh, power of attorney. I had power of attorney over all of his assets right away. So at 19, I found myself becoming a homeowner and um, had three dogs. And, yeah, I mean, I was propelled into adulthood, and I immediately started helping him. And um, it was definitely a weird transition. I think I just kept myself really busy in the moment trying to defend him. And before I knew it, I was, you know, on my own. Sarah, when did you realize the reality of what he truly did? When did you realize that? Yeah, it's so hard to pinpoint an exact moment, um, but it was years after, at least two years after. You know, I saw the 2020, and I found out that he took her out of school early that day. The entire family had no idea that that happened until 2020 came out. Um, and then I think just reading comments online about the sexual abuse, and it, it just started to hit me. And then I came around, and I 
actually confronted him, my father, when he called from prison, and I also told the detectives. I said, hey, you know, this is how I feel. I finally come around. Like, I want to talk to you guys about it. Now, they come to you, the detectives, and they say to you, they say, hey, we think your dad did this. Okay, so if they think he did this, so why no arrest? What's going on with that? Right. That's a great question. Well, the thing is, is that um, the plan was to arrest him. So he was in prison for his bomb case, and I finally come around and say, how can I help? I see the gravity of the situation. I had no idea. Um, and they start asking me questions, you know, have you talked to him? Have you asked him this? They, they really kind of coach me for, like, years on how to talk to him, what to say, and they, they keep in contact and ask a million questions. Um, and then they say, okay, what we're going to do is arrest him when he gets out on his charges for the bombs because what we don't want to happen is for him to be able to combine sentences and serve less time. You know, this way he'll be in prison for the rest of his life if he doesn't get the death penalty. I'm like, all right, I'm still on board. I'm so ready. Um, and a few days before he got out of prison, I get an email that says that the cold case unit has been dissolved and that the two detectives that run the case for 10 years have been reassigned. And I don't think much of it. I kind of think, okay, well, they're probably still going to prosecute. Like, there's no way. Um, sure enough, he gets out. No prosecution happens. I ask for a meeting, you know, what's going on? And they sit me down. And they say, we're not going to prosecute without a body. Um, your best chance is media exposure. So they had the audacity to tell you they're not going to prosecute without a body. Yeah, that's been their story ever since. Um, they also refused to look for the body. Um, they also continued to lie to me. I found out that, you know, there is, in fact, of course, a cold case unit um, and that that one of the detectives has always continued to work on other cases and that he was specifically reassigned from mine um, and they lied about a slew of other things you know they said I'd, I'd have a silent witness campaign with a billboard with a list of picture on every freeway in Phoenix and of course that never happened either um, and so when I came back to them and said hey I did what you said and I got all this media exposure what are you going to do for me they said well it's not about media exposure we need a body but we can't look for the body, and we won't look for the body. We won't look for a body. Why do you think they said that? Like, what What do you think is motivating them in that direction? Like, what is, why? I honestly don't know. I mean, I think it could be a few different things. I think, I, I honestly think a search for the body is kind of futile. It, it could be in so many different places. And the fact is that they know, and I know, and the whole world knows, that there's enough evidence to convict him right now based off, other cases that have been tried and won. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a matter of money and looking for the body. I, I, it has to be something else. And I don't know if that's because of the lack of attention the case got in the beginning or how poorly the investigation was done before the two detectives came on and after the two detectives left. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what they're trying to hide, but it, it seems like something. Well, let me okay. ask you, let me ask you this. So do you think, with the way they have handled it from the beginning up until now, do you think there's even a chance that you could get this brought in court, that you can get a prosecutor or the police department uh, to move forward with having him arrested or bringing charges up against him? Yes, I definitely do. I think based off of the media attention I've gotten, the conversations I've had with them, and the other cases that Maricopa County has been currently accepting, I think that... There's no way they can refuse even just, just presenting it for prosecution. There's no reason they can't. There's really no reason they couldn't a few years ago before he was released. You know, they have given you every excuse of why they can't go forward. But what excuse is they giving you to do go forward, you know? No, I, they, they just changed their mind. Whenever I finally accomplish the mission that they've given me they go back and say oh no just kidding let's just do something else like if i found the body they'd be like well it's not good enough right well i i know well, i mean yeah it's like they just want me to shut up and go away and they keep trying to give me impossible missions and they, i don't think they expected me to get that much media exposure sarah i find it incredibly remarkable how they spent so many years kind of um shaping you in how to speak with him and how to get information from him and then all of a sudden none of that mattered for some reason nothing mattered anymore that yeah, just it was about blows my mind information which they got and then it was about getting the media 
which I got. And now they're saying, oh, well, if we don't literally have a body with a murder weapon and a picture of him doing it, we can't help you. Like, it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. It is ridiculous because, mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about a human being. We're talking about a young lady uh, that, you know, the, her family want to know where she's at. And they know that he's capable of being a criminal, obviously, because he just spent 10 years in prison, uh, you know, with having explosives and, 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 and the guns. Or whatever. Well, I guess he could have the guns, but... The explosives you're not supposed to have, and and what would what would make him have all of those explosives? Do you know why he had them, Sarah? Yeah. Um, so, in addition to finding all the explosives, they found a manifesto called "Diary of a Madman Martyr," and it was a story about um, how he was going to use all these explosives to blow up um, a union building of. Um, it's the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, and he was a part of this union in the 70s and 80s. And um, it's been his life mission, I guess, to, to kill them. Um, he says that they wronged him for being a whistleblower about work conditions and that they bullied him, you know, for years and years and years. Um, so this was supposed to be his, his big revenge. Um, he even at one point stated that two men from the electrical union killed Melissa and buried her in Desert Center, California, which is where that reference also comes from. Um, but it, it, it's all fabricated and it's lies. I mean, my brothers attest to some gentleman bullying my father, but I don't think it went much further than that. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, because I do know he had mentioned to the police that these guys were involved with uh, his daughter's disappearance. Right. And that didn't make sense. They didn't even, the detective was saying when he spoke to uh, her dad, that not when he told them that and then they went and talked to the people from the union they didn't even really know who he was kind of a sense right. of blame yeah exactly so it just you know this guy is always was trying to find a way to put this to make you look over here and look over uh -huh. there but don't look at me but look over here and look over there uh this is um i have never seen i went through this and i was like this is crazy and watching his interview this guy was just arrogant, and, and, and he was just, you know, in his own little world of, you know, listen, I'm running this. I didn't do anything. You can't prove nothing. Because he did say, and, when the, and you can't prove it. Yes, he did. Why right. would you say that? If you're not guilty, then, then why would you say something like that? Right. You know, uh, they said that he refused polygraph tests, I believe. Is that true? Yes. Okay. And mm -hmm. he said he wasn't cooperative. Uh, wouldn't go down there. He said in the interview, well, I was ready to talk. All they had to do was contact me. Refused I believe the detective. Yeah. yeah. I heard that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I believe the detectives was telling the truth and he was lying. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, there's one thing, though, that I caught during the, the video. Now, yeah, I'm just I'm just being honest here because this guy that did the interview uh, from 2020, he just went a little far out of the edge. And I just want y'all to hear this. And, and I'm just, and just bear with me here. They also had those other tapes of bondage and your sexual activities. Consensual sex with a woman. But the sexual stuff was rather kinky. So what does that mean? I'm guilty of killing my daughter because I had kinky sex with some woman? That's what that means? You know, Jackie, I got to watch it and I'm like, okay. I think this guy is going... A little too far. Now, I can understand that they're, they're trying to bring pressure and trying to find to get some closure on this. But this guy said, wait a minute, hold on. I, so I said, I got to address something because that guy was just, he was just reaching. Right. Because he said, well, kink, there was kinky sex and, you know, the videos. Now, let, let me be clear because I don't want somebody listening to the show and be like, wait a minute, we're going to put Ed on blast. Okay, we'll put it on black. <laughs> Let me say something right here, right now. I don't see nothing wrong with that because I'm involved in that type of stuff, too. You know, I do the tie-up thing, the handcuff thing, all that stuff. I do. That's just what I do. Don't judge me. And Jackie, quit looking at me like that because I don't heard some things about you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If, if kinky ain't sexy, then where all them little Jackies running around your house come from? I'm just saying. <laughs> so I just wanted to clear that up, that, 
you know, just because, you know, this man was in the kinky sex, that doesn't make him that he killed his daughter. I agree with that all the right. way. Um, let's, I think he should have just stuck, stuck to the facts of, you know, I understand there's videos, but there's a lot of people that do that. Right. I have an uncle that does that, that has a lot of videos, but he's not a killer. And neither am I, <laughs> you know. So um, I, I just think that that was wrong for that reporter to go after him with that instead of just sticking to the facts of what was being said about her being picked up from school and stuff. Well, I really think he brought that up because there was um, rumor and speculation. I don't know. Maybe Sarah can clear it up about who had seen it. But someone seeing home videos of Alyssa being well, something with paper, um, newspaper over her head and her being kind of drugged out and not aware of things and... It, it, where am I getting this, Sarah? Do you recall saying this? Yes, I, I recall that. I recall seeing and hearing that, too. And I, I want to chime in and say I think the reporter brought that up. Yes. Number one, not so much as shock value, but they are trying to get him to be a little uneasy. Um, you know, it's treat, his interview was treated more as an interrogation. Um, and so they're going to bring that up because of all these crazy videos that were alleged that he had of Alyssa, you know, that it's weird behavior and, and no offense, but when they get into the kinky stuff, that is abnormal sexual, they consider it deviant sexual behaviors. They were bringing that in just as a somewhat of a shock value. It's TV, but also to try to unsettle him. And it didn't unsettle him. Um, again, he asked a question, instead, and instead of answering the question, if you notice, and this is another tidbit into people who are being deceptive, um, he didn't answer the question. He, he answered it with another question is, oh, so does that make me being this and that? He, he posed another question to the interviewer rather than saying, absolutely not, you know, I, or I am into that, but I would never hurt my daughter. He didn't even answer the question. Right. He, no. posed one, he posed one back. No, he didn't. And, so. and yeah, and he did do yeah, that. Right. And and it, but you know, I'm yeah. saying though, Heather, seeing that, you know, because I know a lot of people are like that. And and I have an uncle that he's been in that all his life, and he ain't hurt not one person, or he ain't killed nobody, and he ain't kidnapped sure. nobody. Yeah. So and that's I'm not what saying everybody that does that is a killer or whatever. But I'm just classifying it from a psychological standpoint. It is a deviant. A sexual deviant behavior. It is not classified in the normal spectrum of sexual behaviors. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it does because, you know, when you look at um, the Fifty Shades of Grey right. uh, and all the stuff that right. went in that movie was a huge hit. Both, matter of fact, both one and two. And so uh, he w he was in love with it. He ended up marrying her. And and so uh, I just when he said that, I'm like, okay, that I just felt personally that ain't got nothing to do. Well, what he does in his personal life. Now, if her she's in the videos, that's one thing. Yes. But uh -huh. if if she was in the videos, shouldn't they have found videos, the police? Um, maybe, but he destroyed a lot of evidence, correct, Sarah? Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he destroyed evidence. evidence. I think I can give some clarity around that, that sexual comment. So what they're talking about in the 2020 actually isn't the, the video of Alyssa, because that, that wasn't known. Um, back then. We only found that out about a exactly. year or two ago. Oh. So what they're referring to in the 2020 was the fact that when they raided the home, they found a snuff film of a woman being raped and murdered. And what my father did was loop the, the part where the woman died. So oh. that it was on a continuous loop. Okay. So when they bring up the kinky sex, they're talking about this actual sex, you know, the snuff film of of this woman being raped and murdered, as opposed to just, like you said, kinky, handcuffs, and fuzzy stuff. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. yeah. And that clarifies a lot, Sarah. Yeah, that clears, yeah. Yeah, that clears a, clarify a lot there, because, yeah, because I'm thinking, wait a minute, hold on, because the person that was seeing it, he was like, man, that ain't even fair, and this guy's a deacon in the church. He's like, that ain't right, <laughs> you know. Right. Calm, calm down, Ed. We're not going to, we're not calling the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's okay. Yeah, thank you, Heather. Yeah. I appreciate that because I got you. Had me sweating over here for a minute. And I was getting hey. the headphones to Jack <laughs> and be like, <laughs> be like, bye, girl. I got to get an escape route because uh, my business is out here now. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm glad you was able to uh, clear that up, yeah, Sarah. Thanks for clearing that up. Uh, yeah. Where Where is Michael today, Sarah? I mean, like, where 
What's he doing today? Give us a little, if you know, like what's he, what's his life like today? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't really speak to him outside of um, just asking him random questions for shock value. Um, he lives in downtown Phoenix, is all I know, and I, I believe an extended stay motel. But he's a, he's a free man. Wow. So he's probably you know sexually assaulting other women or right. planning his next bomb plot. It would be my best. Damn. That's scary. Sarah, I have a question. Um, you had met with your dad one-to-one at one point and actually recorded basically what it seemed like to me was a confession from your father. Can you go into details about that moment in the the recording? Yeah. Um, So there were two confessions that happened at two different parts of our conversation, but one um, was where he says, darling, come to the deathbed and I'll give you all the honest answers you want to hear. Um, and then later in the conversation, he goes, well, Sarah, I'll admit to everything if the state agrees to give me lethal injection within 10 days. Wow. And I say, absolutely. And he leans back and he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I will take that deal. Oh, man. So- oh, wow. And he laughed it off, too. I heard that recording. And he was just, what do you want me to say, Sarah? And, you know, just very condescending, laughing. Um, Sarah, you mentioned that you had a sister you didn't even know about. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Or, like, how did that even come about? Yeah. Um, so they told me, you know, when they told me the house was being graded, I think it was definitely for shock value. Um, but it was um, a girl that um, my father was married to in between my mother and his first wife. Um, they had a child. And when she came after him for child support, he said, you don't want to do this. If you fight me for it, I will just take her from you in court. Um, and she got scared and she went away. Um, but it, it was pretty well known in the family that this girl did exist um, to some people. I didn't know. Most of the kids didn't know. But uh, apparently it was a known thing between the adults. And, yeah, I, I've seen pictures. And she looked just like him. Um, and I, I tried to reach out on Facebook, and she didn't write back, which I totally understand. Like, mm-hmm. if you find out this is who your father is, like, yeah, you know, if I had a choice, I, I wouldn't be involved in it with him either. But, um, yeah, so I get it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I believe that it's her. It looks so much like her. It's unreal. Wow. It's like him. Yeah. Wow. It's probably best that the mom just kind of did go away with her because who knows what would have happened to that girl, too. I mean... It might have been best for her not to know him. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I agree. And my father is quite the ladies' man. So, I mean, wow. you know, there could be all sorts of kids out there. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. You know, sitting here, you know, listening to you tell the story and watching those videos and being how he's the controlling person going to her job and sitting in the parking lot making sure she was there at work, that was just a little much. And, you know, the surveillance cameras inside the house, uh, it, it just was crazy. So this, this guy, you know, your, your dad, you know, something seriously going on. It, the, the good thing, I'm glad you came out of it, um, that you're able to be able to be here on the show to tell the story, to be on, you know, talking mm-hmm. to different people, going to CrimeCon to be able to tell the story. That's a good, the good thing. So mm-hmm. uh, that you're safe from all this. So, but yeah. I... I, I will say this, Sarah. We're not done with this. Uh, this is a, a a tough, a tough case here, and right now, uh, me and the team we're we're just getting started with this. This is new to us, and you know, when we get you know situated with income and better money, uh, we're going to come to Arizona. We're going to we're we're going to come visit you in Arizona, and some kind of way we're going to pull together. And try to get the district attorney in your area to, you know, to go forward with bringing charges against your dad. Um, And something needs to be done because just like you say, your sister deserves justice. Absolutely. I I would love that. Thank you so much. Okay. And and I know Heather would love that. And, you know, uh, guys, I know it's hot there in in, in, uh, Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. So I know it's hot there, but... I, I just believe if we don't get nothing, if nothing is done on this case, you know, we need to go out there. I believe so, too. Mm-hmm. 
And I think a uh, direct approach to maybe some of the prosecutors and officers or whatever been, that's been involved in this case, um, I'd like to know more. I, w I don't know what's more sickening to me, the fact that Michael Turney is still walking and a free man yep. or yep. the yeah. fact that nothing has been done in law f with the law enforcement taking action on this. It's absolutely absurd to me. Yeah, and I, I agree yeah. with her all the way. And something needs to be done. It really do. And I'm I'm just so sorry that this happened. And, and here you're fighting. You can't even find your sister. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah, has anybody written the the newest? I mean, I guess, is, has the DA's obviously changed since the case happened? Has anybody written a letter and really just laid out the evidence and the circumstantial evidence um, in a factual way to the DA or the new DA um, at all, or has anybody done that for you? Yeah, no, so there have actually been reports and letters um, and all sorts of things written, and in fact, um, there was an intern that was working for us, and um, she ran a campaign called 12 Days of Alyssa Last Christmas, and one of the days was called the DA, and so a ton of people called the DA, and I call at the end of the day, and he goes, oh my gosh, you're the sister. Yeah, I've been looking into this case all day, we haven't heard of it. But I looked at our system, and it looks like we've actually requested the Phoenix police to present this case to us. But wow. I don't understand why they haven't. And that he, he says, and honestly, it really sounds like a case we would take. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's the, so that's, that's the biggest the step. Unaware. Okay, because yeah. that's, that's really what you have to, as you know, I mean, the DA has to, all they have to do is present it. Um, for an indictment for the grand jury and let the grand jury decide if he's guilty or not. So, yeah, I mean, if you've got people doing that, that's, that's important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, mm -hmm. well, hopefully something can get going and um, because this man needs to be held responsible for this. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I just don't Absolutely. understand, you know, so I understand your frustration. So, um, uh, Heather, you, you know, you know how me and you talked about it. It's, it's really sad, too, because if you have all this evidence, and even just from what I've seen of it, the snippets, you know, you could present a good circumstantial evidential case with this. Um, if it were laid out properly, you've got a pretty strong case, um, at least to present, um, not else. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and that's what makes it such a mystery, and I... I hate to be a person that has to like fight government organizations or the police like, i just don't enjoy it but i it's at the point where i don't understand but i'm i'm doing everything i can and i've done so much that they have to help at a certain point and i get the right. uneasy feeling that and this is just me and my opinion but i get an uneasy feeling that he's gotten away with this and he knew from the beginning how he could kind of get away with it it makes me feel like, what else has he gotten away with? And that just strikes me. Oh, yeah. Just with the investigative journalism, I feel like yeah. it just strikes me of oh, odd. So that much, yeah. I feel like there's yeah. so much more that he has gotten away with, and it just makes me sick. Oh, yeah. I mean, the police admit to knowing that my father helped cover up an attempted murder by his brother when he was a deputy sheriff. It's oh, wow. Every, but most people believe he resigned. Yeah. I didn't it's, hear about that. Wow. Me neither. No. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm sitting here puzzled. Me and Jackie looking at each other like, what? What? I get those <laughs> feelings for a reason. That. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, right, just a bomb to drop. Um, no pun intended, my goodness. Oh, um, goodness. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so in the, in the 70s when my father was a deputy sheriff, my um, allegedly my father was having an affair with his brother's wife. My, Damn. His brother found out. Brother shoots wife. My father's what? there. Gets all the takes all the kids to McDonald's during the shooting. Oh um, my God! Comes back. Woman's not dead. Thank goodness she did live. Um, and yeah, the, the police admit to him covering up evidence. The, the police were called. You know, the kids say that. Um, my father and his brother laid out all the guns in the back of the truck, put a big blanket over him, and had all the kids sit on them um, so the police oh wouldn't see it. Because this was the 70s, you know, wow. domestic violence, so it's kind right? of lost over anyway. The woman's too afraid to talk. You know, she's told that she will be killed if she says anything, um, and no one was ever charged. 
Wow. So it shows he has wow. premeditation in his blood. If he can plan that out, he can certainly have planned out your yep. sister's murder. I agree. Or disappearance, let me pose it like that. I agree. Yeah, what a history wow. of collusion and violence. and Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's crazy. That story just gets crazier. Yes, so it there's does. There's so many rabbit holes to dive deep. Like, that's why, that's why, you know, as Ed mentioned, I'm doing a, a podcast because it's yeah. going to be 20 plus hours of just deep diving into different situations because there's so wow. much to cover that it's, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, you do need. Well, I wish you well on getting your new podcast going where you yeah, can be definitely. able to get, yes. get all that out right. there. So, well, Sarah, we appreciate you coming on and thank you so much for being brave to come on here and tell your story. I am, I'm just like, wow, it's, yeah. you know, and I, I just don't know what it's like to be in your shoes to ha constantly ask for help. And everywhere you turn in law enforcement in your state, the door is getting shut in your face. Wow. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. So, well, we're yeah, going to get up. the worst part. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get up out of here. And you know how to contact us. And we are going to still stay on this. We will follow yeah. up on this. Even if you have your own podcast, it doesn't matter. We Absolutely. are still going to follow up on this. So, uh, this man, because I'd be honest, I would love to meet your father, and I'm not talking about the meeting to go have pizza. So uh, <laughs> I would love to meet him. Okay, I'm just being honest because I just I, that that's just not right. So yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna get up out of here, and I want to let our listeners know to re uh, want to remind you to go to our Facebook page, Crime Pursuit Podcast on facebook go like and you know follow us we, we're going to have all kind of pictures and stuff going on there we're going to be interacting a lot with a lot of the listeners we also have a twitter uh at crime pursuit and we have instagram um so same thing uh crime pursuit podcast on instagram also we have a website www.crimepursuitpodcast.com uh go there and we're going to have videos. We're going to have pictures. Uh, we're going to have live videos of here in the studio. You will get to see uh, Heather, Jackie, myself, and you'll be able to interact with us. So, because we're want to, we want to spread this word. We want to build our team beyond this studio. So, go and join the website and help join us with the pursuit. All right, guys, you take care. Of.